Ethos. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose in your life or career, have you ever considered asking an attorney? <laughs> if not, today's your day. Frank Ramos is a lawyer, writer, speaker, and purpose coach. So, Frank, first question, what does a purpose coach do? Well, that's a great question. A purpose coach is someone who helps to find a person's purpose, really. And my purpose is to help others find their purpose. And once you know what you're supposed to do with your life, things are much easier. I think often we're chasing the wrong dreams and we're putting the ladders up against the wrong buildings and climbing up and getting the wrong success stories. So trying to figure out what our real purpose is is, is fundamental and really having a joyful life. Well, I would agree, uh, but I was on your website. I see you, you're a partner in in your law firm in Miami, and one would think, okay, that's your career purpose, but you also have written over 20 books, and you're coaching other uh, attorneys and young professionals. Pick a lane. What, <laughs> what, uh, what's the inspiration for all that? I would think having your own law firm would be you know, a lot of work uh, to begin with. What's the motivation between all the books and the coaching and, and the other things that you're pursuing? You know, a lot of young lawyers and professionals don't really have mentors. They don't have anyone they can look up to, speak with, and get a better understanding and appreciation of what they should be doing with their lives. And especially in the last few years where we're spending more time working from home due to COVID and we live more uh, spirit lives and kind of live uh, at home or we live away from the office. And so the natural relationships that develop with mentors haven't really taken hold. Uh, I try to fill that gap and try to help others better understand what they should be doing, what they should be pursuing to achieve their life purposes. And so that's kind of a thing that I do. It's a hobby. It's kind of an unusual hobby. It's not certainly uh, writing or uh, playing basketball or watching sports, but, uh, uh, but something I've enjoyed. Uh, I think, um, you know, having been in the business now for about 25 years as a lawyer and seeing a lot of young professionals not having someone they can talk and rely uh, I felt like I needed to fill that in. And, and a lot of attorneys do, and a lot of professionals in their lanes do that as well. Uh, and it's really enjoyable. It's really great to see that you can help shape and develop another person's career in their lives for the better and see them then pay it forward to somebody else behind them. Man, I love that. So tell me, what's what's maybe a common or the most common mistake you see among young professionals? I think most of them don't have a plan. Uh, other than getting a certain degree or thinking that they're going to get a job in a specific place, you know, like I'm going to become a lawyer or a doctor or accountant or engineer or an entrepreneur, whatever it is, a business owner, and then they get there and then that's it. And then they really haven't thought through what the next step is. And, and so that's a big step, you know, getting an advanced degree, getting a graduate degree or just starting a career is a big step, but understanding where that takes you and what you want to do with it the next 10, 20, 30 years until you retire, I think uh, requires some thoughts and some strategic planning. And I think most folks haven't thought that far ahead. And I think the further you think ahead, the more you'll have control over your own destiny. And the world has changed in the last 20 years. Uh, You think about a generation ago where people might work in a factory or spend their career in one or two sectors or one or two companies. And and now that's unheard of, right? And so how on earth could you plan for many young people today will have jobs in 30 years that don't exist today? So how do you long-term plan for that? 
I think a good focus is to develop what skills you want to develop. And I think there are certain skills that apply equally no matter what industry you're in. One is communication, being able to speak and write well. One is confidence. Some people don't think of confidence as a skill, but I think it's a very important one in terms of holding the attention in the room, having certain gravitas, being able to hold court. Those are sort of things that help you uh, develop business, you know, develop leadership skills. Leadership, obviously, is a very important skill set that develop. And so I think young individuals, whatever sector you're in, if you can develop your communication skills, your leadership skills, your, your confidence, your ability to just be able to manage and lead and speak and communicate, that's going to play very well for you over the long term. So I think the focus is important to have you know, a certain set of skills, whether it's being a lawyer, doctor, salesperson, accountant, engineer, whatever it might be. But above and beyond that, being able to develop the skill set that you need, you're needing the C-suite that you're going to need uh, to maybe one day lead your own business or lead a team or lead a group or lead a, a trade association or become a politician or involved in government. Uh, these are all skills that will set you apart. And so you may not know what the future may hold 30 years from now, but if you can start developing that skill set now, then you're going to have the ability to transition from one career to another and from one sector to another pretty easily. Yeah, I think that's so important because, uh, well, you take doctors, for example, uh, they're taught the technical skills of being a medical doctor, of practicing their craft, but not as much emphasis put on the communication side of things and bedside manner. And, and, and maybe that's changing now, um, but I can see where in a variety of careers, you're focused so much on just the technical aspects of a job that you kind of forget at the end of the day, it's all about connecting with other people. Yeah, and you mentioned about doctors. That sector has been largely unchanged, but due to technology, you're going to see a lot more telemedicine. I mean, a lot of that was common during the COVID era, and so it's a point where people aren't going to be going to the doctor's office anymore unless it's for something more urgent. But you know, it's to the point where you can have an examination from your home or from your office, or certainly, you know, if it's mental health counseling, do it on your phone or on a mobile device, whatever it might be. And so doctors in that space, you have to learn how to interact with people like we're interacting now through this medium or similar mediums. And so learning technology is going to be crucial, uh, something that the older generations have always sort of let the younger generations deal with. But I think more and more, uh, how are we communicating? The way we communicate has changed a lot in terms of the fact that our attention spans have diminished precipitously. And so we basically have a two to three second attention span if we don't get somebody hooked uh, immediately, they're just not going to stay with us. We see that in our phones, like we live off our phones and we get notifications uh, on a minute by minute basis. And we have to immediately determine whether or not it's worth our attention. And so how we communicate with each other is changing the way we deal with business is changing. And so understanding and appreciating everything that's happening around us that may not directly impact us, but certainly impact our clients, impact our customers, impact how we deal with one another, our team. And having appreciation of all that, it's really important. So just stay on top of how society is changing and appreciating for yourself how that's going to affect your own career and your own set or your own business. And I can imagine you mentioned just the information overload uh, that we all experience, but as an attorney, that's 
you have to read lots of legal briefs and and different things. Have you developed certain filters and, and something you could maybe share that that might be helpful in uh, people in a variety of professions? How do you filter what information to take in? And because you're leaving most of it out, you can't possibly consume everything coming at you. So, how do you uh, have you developed a filter for what information you're going to take in? Yeah, no matter what sector you're in, you try to find the thought leaders, of people who are making and creating the biggest impressions in your industry and limit yourself to maybe a half dozen or a dozen of those individuals and seeing what they are putting out there, whether on social media or to publications or videos, YouTube, whatever it might be, and kind of let them be your lone stars in terms of helping guide you in what you want to do. Um, you know, I'm very much in sort of the development space for young lawyers. And I think a lot of people who look for assistance in that area or for strategic planning Hopefully, put me in their list, and um, and when I in, in the space I'm in, I try to find lawyers and other business professionals that are leaders in social media, that are good in communications, that are good in developing leadership management, diversity, all those sorts of things. And I glean from them. And I try to you know learn from them and apply what they what they're teaching. And so selecting the right people to follow online and then consistently following and reading what they have to say and learning from them and filtering it, obviously. I mean, everybody has an opinion on a number of issues and what they say may not apply to you. It may not work for you. You may not agree with it, but you know, we all have to have a filter through all the information we're getting all the time. But And you're right. There's probably, you know, in any sector, if you're in sales, there's probably a thousand sales gurus out there you can listen to. And if that's all you did, you never actually sell one thing. So you have to decide who is in your industry selling what you're selling and seeing how they're doing it and then learning from them and then beta testing it like anything else and see what works for you. Each of us is different. Each of us has a different attitude, approach, personality, um, and what works for person A may not work for person B. Uh, but give us, certainly try it and see what works for you in whatever capacity or ability you're doing it and then, and then learn from that. And that's kind of my approach and process. And you certainly teach uh, on a variety of of topics. And let's take a couple of your books, for example. One is called Question Everything. So tell us about that. Do you mean everything? Is, isn't it hard to get through your day? Like, what do you mean by question everything? I think um, the biggest thing we could do as an individual, whether it's our lives or our careers or if we have kids, what they want to do or maybe helping them pick a college or if you're at a company, you know, what the next three or five years look like is that you have to pose a lot of questions. I mean, you don't always have to need the answers, but you have to pose the right questions. And so questioning, you know, what your values are, what your mission and vision are, questioning where you want to be, what you want to do, uh, questioning um, what others want, you know, and how your values may congeal or work with or oppose others. And so you're constantly evaluating things. You know, in the legal world, there's this thing called Socratic method based on Socrates always asking all these questions people would answer. Answers and questions would lead you to kind of question yourself and analyze whatever issues you have, hopefully reach some sort of resolution out of the matter you're confronting. And that's no different. And so my approach is to ask a question. And, and often I ask, you know, if, if you do this, what happens then, then what happens then, what happens then. There's a process where you're trying to see how something is going to play out to sort of its natural conclusion. And most people sort of look three to five steps ahead. I try to look above and beyond that. If you were to make the analogy to chess, I think bad players only think one or two moves ahead. 
Uh, good player. Generally, think about five to eight moves ahead. And great players think about a dozen or more moves ahead. And so, and obviously, the further you look out, the more nebulous things are, and the harder it is to pinpoint exactly how things will, will play out. But, uh, but that analysis will get you thinking and help you process. You know, if I do A, it goes to B, C, D, and F, G. And by the time I get to G, is that still where I want to be, or do I want to be somewhere else? Kind of like the five whys, is is that a technique you use as far as you know, asking if you're unhappy with your job? You ask why one time. Well, uh, you know, the, the boss mistreats me or I don't make enough money. Well, you know, why is that? You know, why are they mistreating you that way? Or, you know, and just you go five layers deep and you get to, to a deeper issue than just you don't make enough money or maybe you're in the wrong uh, profession, or that's not fulfilling, right? And so, is that uh, is that the kind of technique you use when you're when you're coaching folks? Just kind of dig deeper, uh, go several layers deeper. Yeah, it's a great analysis, and uh, basically, a lot of us look at things superficially because we don't really want to challenge ourselves, and we don't want to deal with the hard issues. And sometimes, we keep asking why, we realize that the problem is actually you. It may not be what's going on around you. You don't really want to admit that to yourself. Uh, and it may be a lack of skills, it may be a lack of motivation, it may be a lack of discipline. Uh, and nobody wants to assume, I shouldn't say nobody, but most of us don't want to assume responsibility, we want to blame somebody else. And so if you keep asking the questions and keep putting, putting back the layers of the onion, often you realize that change starts with you and it's discipline is sort of, you know, a consistent change over time uh, and, you know, sort of that effort of work, work product and work ethic. I think, you know, when it comes to, you know, we're getting back to our purpose, defining your purpose really isn't that hard. Pursuing it is the hard part. You know, figuring out what you should be doing with your life, yes, it's challenging. A lot of people don't make the effort of doing that. But even after you get past that point, you determine, I need to do X. Doing X generally is never easy. You know, whatever you want to accomplish, if it's of any value or consequence, it's require a lot of work, hard work and discipline. And a lot of people don't want to do that. And you have to be honest with yourself and you have to say to yourself, okay, if I really want to accomplish X in my life. I need to now put aside X number of times and, and generally becomes like a second job, which those people don't want to hear about. You come home uh, from your first job and you want to watch television or you want to take a nap or you want to cook a meal or you want to do whatever you want to do. You don't want to think about, okay, now I'm going to focus on me trying to develop myself in whatever area. Maybe I need to work out, maybe I need to eat better, maybe I need to read more, maybe I need to take a class, maybe I need to get a degree, maybe I need to develop a certain skill set, maybe I need to a toastmaster, take an improv class. There's so many different things, and it depends on where you want to go. But whatever path you're taking for yourself to require effort above and beyond your, your day job, which it just really is, um, even if it's, it relates to your day job, even if your day job is, let's say, being a lawyer, but you want to own your own firm, uh, you have to like do the work day to day, but then you have to start thinking about, well, what does that look like on a corporate firm and how am I going to you know, develop a business and at least, you know, there's all these other issues. So, um, so what I tell people is that if you want to change your life, you basically have to take on a second job. It could be a part-time job, it could be a second full-time job, but you definitely have to take on a second job and you have to decide for yourself, you know, how long does it take? Realistically, uh, the bigger the goal, the longer it's going to take. And, you know, it's just, it's proportional. And so that's a good time to be honest with yourself and say, okay, well, I don't want to do X because I don't want to spend Y getting to X. Um, and, and, and that's just a very honest conversation. And not everybody wants to accomplish the big things because accomplishing the big things 
take a lot of self-sacrifice. And, and sometimes sacrifice isn't necessarily great. I mean, sometimes we end up turning our back to important relationships and things like that. So you, there's always this balance yeah, that's, that's involved. But thinking it through and then committing to doing the work is what's really important. I think it was uh, Nietzsche that uh, said, "He who has a why to live can bear almost bear any how," and and so that's why you know digging down deeply to what you truly want out of life. There's most people don't I think have unrealistic goals. They just have unrealistic time horizons, right? <laughs> you want to be the next Elon Musk. It's probably not going to happen next year, but like you can do big things, but you probably need to take all of the the difficult uh, steps. And the sacrifice, you have to say no to everything else. And I, I'm afraid a lot of us, uh, you know, it's paralysis by analysis. Well, yeah, of course I would love uh, to do X, Y, or Z. Uh, but then when it comes down to actually doing the work, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road, right? Yeah, exactly. I think there is a time commitment that a lot of people don't want to spend on. Uh, as you said, there's a, often a, a long horizon to achieving your goals. And something to do consistently at the time. And when you sit down and think to yourself, okay, I'm just going to spend the next three to five years to achieve this goal. Most people are like, I don't want to do this the next three to five years. And so you have to realize, you know, this is a long-term commitment, a lot of work, a lot of time, and it'll be worth it. Uh, but a lot of it's mundane. A lot of it's just, you know, putting in the time, putting in the work, uh, you know, going to the salt mines day in and day out. It's not particularly glamorous and day-to-day stuff. You know, strategic planning is fun. You know, you can say I have a big goal. You can put little posters around your office and remind yourself of all the motivational statements. But the hard work's the hard work, and there's nothing to replace that. And I'm a big fan of you know making those things habits because uh, without that, we live a lot of our life on autopilot just to get through the day. And and so uh, whatever it is, you have to make it automatic uh, to to pursuing your goal, doing the hard work, and making it as easy as possible. So you don't have to keep making that decision day after day. It's just you automatically get up every day uh, and and go to the gym, or you get up every day and write five pages of that novel you've always wanted to write or whatever the case may be, right? It's just, it's not about, you know, waiting for inspiration. It's about the discipline of, you know, scheduling it and just doing it whether you feel like it or not, because it's in service of your, your ultimate goals. Yeah. Habits is a great way of looking at it. There's probably a dozen books out there talking about creating good habits and they all sort of arrange. They say anywhere, it takes anywhere between 14 and 30 days to create a habit or break a habit. And so, the first month of doing anything is really the most important. Because if you consistently do something for a month, then the odds are you're going to continue doing it absent some, some crazy happening. Basically. Uh, but if you, for example, working out, if you work out for a full month, odds are you're going to continue working out indefinitely. If you're going to write five pages a day for a month, you're probably going to keep writing until you're done with that novel. And so having the discipline to get up earlier, stay up later, or uh, not turn on that television, or not go out with your friends and spend that 30 minutes to an hour a day on that project for the next three days is crucial. And once you get into that routine, it's really hard to break out of it, which is good. You know, just that's the way it works. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Jocko, who discipline equals freedom, right? And Navy SEAL, and uh, he takes a picture of his watch every morning, I think at 4.30 in the morning, as he's 
he's working out and uh and that's kind of you know his big mission statement discipline equals freedom and discipline is not always fun but uh it, it does clarify it makes it a lot easier to to get those hard things done love listening to him actually he does have a podcast and several books and uh, he has that phrase good or that's good when things go wrong he thinks that's a good thing because you learn from your <laughs> failures and so he has a very different vantage point than most people but it's a very positive one yeah i can't say that i'm to that level of discipline where something goes wrong and i <laughs> i say that's good uh, but i get it i mean because you either it either works or you get a lesson out of it, right? And you you eliminate one of the things that don't work, and uh, and so if you can really hone in on that ability to to take everything as feedback and information, and then hopefully that makes you a little wiser the next time you encounter that situation or uh, eliminate possibilities that aren't the right ones. Love it. You have another book, "Be Your Own Life Coach." Now, how on earth would somebody go about doing that? I think it's very similar. I think you define what your big goals are, and then you come up with a plan to achieve them. Uh, you know, it's everything that we accomplish in life is basically a plan that we have to ultimately execute. You create the plan, you work the plan, you create the plan, you work the plan. And that's no different when I have a big case or when I'm helping help one of my boys decide what college they want to attend or, you know, whatever it is, whatever big life decision we have or whatever goal we set for ourselves. You know, we set the goal, we define the action steps to achieve the goal, we provide a timeline to achieve them, and then we hold ourselves accountable. Either we do it individually or we have somebody else hold us accountable. And it's really that simple. And the idea, and I think people want it complicated so that they can excuse themselves from doing it uh, because it's really not that hard. Uh, the hard part is the work. The hard part is doing the work each and every day, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. Uh, the planning really isn't that hard. And so being your own life coach, nothing more than setting it out and then doing it. <laughs> that's um, that's a good word because I know that I'm guilty of this, uh, of consuming too much information, too much planning to really put off the actual doing, right? Listening to more podcast or reading another book or uh, reading another blog or watching a YouTube video or buying certain software or tools and all these things at the end of the day, just get to work. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, I know uh, I learn best by just doing. Uh, and uh, and so uh, communication skills you mentioned, you can read all the books in the world about good communication, or you can actually you know go speak publicly, <laughs> speak in front of other people and you're going to get feedback, right? Yeah. I mean, I've done a lot of public speaking and my first public speeches sucked and, and it's a process. And I think a lot of us think we're going to be perfect in our first try. And we don't do that first try because we want to look foolish, you know, whether it's an article or a book we wrote or a presentation we've given, but very few people are going to get it right the first time. And that's just part of the process and you get out there and you make mistakes and you, you know, get a bit of a bruised ego, you learn from it, you move on. And down the road, you know, after you've done 50, 100, 150, whatever you're doing, you really have to remember those first few times and no one's going to really remember them either. No one's going to think, wow, you're that guy that I saw that sucked. Like, they're like, wow, I really enjoyed your presentation. So you know, everybody <laughs> moves on from those early years. 
the reality is most people aren't thinking about you anyway. They're worried about their own performance. Right, right. <laughs> They're worried about their own, you know, how they look and uh, not really concerned about you. So I think that's true. Will this matter in 10, 15 years? Probably not most things. Right. Uh, right. And I, yeah, that's powerful. Okay. So you're, you're telling people, uh, be your own life coach. You got another book, go motivate yourself, stop chasing gurus and do the hard work. And so what would be the benefit of working with somebody like you, uh, as a purpose coach, if all they have to do is be their own coach? What, what's, you know, what's the benefit of hiring someone else? I mean, typically I tell people you don't really need me. I'm being perfectly honest. And I think some people perhaps need someone to kind of watch over them. They need an accountability partner. That's basically what life coaches are, the accountability partners. It's kind of like having somebody with you at the gym, you know, having a coach at the gym, uh, or, or having somebody just kind of follow you through because you don't feel like you're going to do it. You know, you, you know, you know, you have to answer to somebody. You don't want to let that person down. You're paying that person some money. So you feel like you need to do something. And some folks need that structure. Uh, I, I hope that most people don't because I don't really think that what I do is really all that special. And most people out there in the consulting business is all that special. It's pretty straightforward. It really is defining a goal, pursuing the goal, defining a goal, pursuing the goal. And the discipline has to come from you. I can't impose discipline on you. And I think a lot of people who hire life coaches want people to discipline them. And that'll work to a degree, you know, having somebody kind of telling you what to do and reminding you what to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to do it. You have to do the work. And at some point, the training wheels have to come off and you have to make sure you're doing what you need to do. Do other coaches get mad at you? You're giving away all the secrets. Uh, you know, I've had some run-ins, uh, but nothing, nothing crazy. <laughs> uh, but I, you know what? Uh, we all have Google. And so at the end of the day, uh, the information's available. Uh, I was, you know, I asked it in jest. I, I find it ironic if anybody uh, gets upset about that. Uh, I offer coaching as well, and I completely agree with what you said. Uh, but there is power in having a witness uh, to what you're trying to accomplish and having somebody uh, not just keep you accountable, but also uh, cheer you on and be there to encourage you. And, uh, you know, uh, there's power in having uh, somebody there that uh, that can give you perspective when you're down and and celebrate the wins with you as well and 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 just remind you uh, because we all have blind spots and the reason they're called a blind spot is because you can't see them uh, so it's not about information but uh, it really is about getting the support that you need you know what you need so go out and get it and if that's a coach then then hire a coach uh, if it uh, you know if it's a software get it and then get it done but Whatever it is, um, you really have to know yourself and uh, and, and then uh, stop making excuses and just take the next simple step. That's the name of the podcast for a reason, because I think most everything's figure outable. Just one step at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Stop complicating things, right? Yeah. And you made a great point about having someone support you with you on. I, I think life coaches, unfortunately, fill a void in many people's lives who don't have Someone that they fellowship with, a mentor, uh, someone that is looking out for them that would normally do this for him or her anyway. And I think that's sort of a role a lot of coaches are filling. It's really almost like a, a confident that a person's having their own lives. It's uh, part psychologist, part encourager, or whatever it might be. Um, and, and it's kind of sad that so many people don't have those people. They don't have that team. They don't have that tribe. 
And I think that's where coaches come in. And that's another issue for another day. But I think that's sort of becoming more and more a role of coach. I'm trying to almost become, I don't know if a friend is the right word, but certainly a cheerleader and supporter, as you mentioned, that they otherwise don't have in their own lives. Well, you hear Michael Jordan talk about uh, Mike Phil Jackson or you know, Tiger Woods has a swing coach. I mean, I don't think Ty- Tiger needs any more coaching, and he's still going to be the best in the world. Uh, but he takes the coaching to stay the best in the world, and also, you know, to be there to to point out the blind spots. And uh, and so, I don't think most of us are better at whatever we do than Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods. <laughs> There's a reason that they have coaches. They their ability gets you so far, um, and then but. If you're going to pursue something at the highest level, uh, it takes support in many forms. Uh, And to have somebody have your back like that, I mean, that's what it's all about. So uh, I really appreciate uh, what you do. So I've I've got one more question, Frank, uh, while I've got you uh, as the attorney. So tell me, what ought to be illegal but isn't? Uh, I don't know. I think the fact that, you know, our legal system is kind of curious in that, the way we compensate people, the way we deal with legal issues and litigation uh, should be much more streamlined. And yet we are constantly having to go through years of litigation and possibly get in front of a jury to resolve matters. In Canada and other jurisdictions, things are done much more uh, simply. And I think it works out to everybody's interest. It doesn't really benefit the lawyers. They get paid a lot less. But it seems to be a much more direct way uh, and so just our legal system as a whole seems a little bit broken. So if, if there's a way to modify it and streamline it and make a case that usually takes three years of a trial, maybe get it resolved in six months, uh, that would be ideal. Uh, unfortunately, lawyers are in charge and we'll see that happening, but that would be a huge improvement. <laughs> so it's your fault. Uh, well, generally our fault as a, as a, as a profession, yes. Right. Well, I, and the lawyers always are the butt of everybody's jokes. I mean, what profession do you make jokes about? Uh, lawyers mostly. Okay, fair enough. You got yeah. any good ones? Uh, you know, none I can really share on on the radio. But okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> well, thanks, Frank. I know uh, your website, MiamiMinter.com. Are are you on any preferred socials where uh, people can follow along with you? I'm on LinkedIn. You can follow me there. I'm, I'm Max on Connections. You're welcome to, to follow me there. I post daily. I've been doing that since summer of 2016. And that's really been my platform of choice. And if you're a professional and you're looking for work, you're looking to change careers, or looking for mentor, that's really the platform you should be on. A lot of people jumped on it through the pandemic, and I think now there are over 700 million members worldwide. And it's a really a good place to be. It's actually a very giving place. It's not a place where there are a lot of trolls, not like Twitter, these other platforms. It's very professional, very upscale. And it's worth checking out and pursuing being involved in. Man, thank you. That what a plug for LinkedIn. So you're Frank Ramos on LinkedIn. I am. I'm Frank Ramos on LinkedIn. Well, do that. And I love it. You're posting daily. So that's that's a nice challenge for somebody that wants to network and get out there. Um, and you are a content creator. Obviously, you lead a busy life between your coaching and your law practice, and f- you still find the time to post on LinkedIn. That's an inspiration. Yeah, it doesn't take long. And like you said, a habit took the first 30 days back in 2016 to commit to that. And now it's second nature. Frank, thanks so much for being on today on The Next Simple Step. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.